All right, we're going to okay. cut into here. Okay. Ready? Frame. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 13 of Beards, Songs, and Theology. This week brought to you by The Weekly Podcast, a weekly discussion with James Eaton, creative director at Eaton Springs Baptist Church. Wow, thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that plug. <laughs> it's good. I listen to it. Thanks. Like cross podcasting. Yeah, this is a this is our first mingling of podcasts. So since the last time that we did Beard Songs and Theology, I've started an another podcast because why not? Called Weekly, um, where I bring you a weekly podcast. Beard Songs and Theology averaged out to be monthly. We did twelve last or, year. Or quarter. Well, it averaged monthly. Yeah. There at the end, it started to be it, quarterly. Yeah, we got to like every other week for a while, and then yeah. we got to not. Life happened. Man. That's okay. I, I discovered last year that doing a two-person host show is very hard when we both have lives and families and, and kids and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and kids. Kids and, and jobs. I end up recording weekly like in the playroom at night <laughs> Which is or awesome. like in my office at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning or something. So yeah, it just gives me a little bit more freedom. Well, anyways, totally unasked for plug, but yeah, still, but thank you should you. listen to it. The last you. episode was great. The creative versus the critic. Oh, yeah. Very applicable to today's society. Thanks. I'm talking to you, millennials. Hey, millennials. Get off your critique game. Start making stuff. Start making stuff. You really want to make America great again? Make some shoes. Make it. Do it. Make your things. Refinish my boots. That's, that's right. Well, <laughs> so it's been a while since we've talked about any of these things, but how's, how's the beard going? Well, or growing. we had an accident the other day. Yeah. So my beard is currently uh, back to uh, beginning stages because it had to be trimmed back. You got it. You got it real good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was bad. Yeah. I might have cried. It. I got a really sad text that said, um, I'm not going to make it because I had a beard emergency. <laughs> and, then, and then just a lot of sadness. You yeah. wouldn't even send me a picture of it. No. It doesn't look bad, though. It just looks... I mean, I had this beard since I could grow a beard until last year, so... Restart. I mean, I'm yeah. used to it. But Jen, Jen has said that she likes the longer beard. All right. And I like it, too. So... It's coming back. Beard 3.0 begins three weeks ago. Awesome. Yeah. I've been rocking that beard oil that you got me for Christmas. It's good and stuff. And it's very good from For the Love of Suds. It's very good. Who does not sponsor us yet? Not yet, but maybe we've talked about them on like three episodes now, so maybe we can, maybe we can pull in some plugs. I'm trying. Yeah, I, I even ask them every time I go in. Have you listened <laughs> to my podcast? And she looks at me like, "What's wrong with you?" It's so easy to find. There's nothing else called Beard Songs and Theology yeah. or Weekly, so it, it's easy to find all of our podcasts. Yep. Um. Anyways. So yeah, I've been using that. I got really sad with my beard and then I realized it was because I wasn't putting like any good stuff into it and it looked bad and that was why. And seriously, you got me that beard oil for Christmas. Two days later, my beard was awesome again. Life so, lessons. Yeah. You got to keep, you got to keep taking care of it. Your beard's a metaphor for your soul. Mm. How's your soul? How's your beard? There you go. So I'm still rolling with mine. I don't know how long it's been, but it doesn't matter. I'm just going to keep it's going. It's over a year now, isn't it? Yeah. I made it. I, did, I shaved my mustache many times. 
So if I had grown my mustache all year, it would be super long and connected. But my It'd lady like does not like that. I know. It would, yeah, it just kind of got gnarly. So, but yeah, beard, geared, it happened. There you go. Well, keep it up, man. I'm trying. Trying so hard. Your beard's kind of, what's unique about your beard is it doesn't really get longer. It just, it just gets, gets thicker. thicker and curlier. So there you go. There's some beard, some beard chat, beard catch up. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about, we can talk about songs and theology together because I want to talk about passion and I want to hear what you think, what you thought about it. I did not get to go, but I did get to watch some of the web stream, which was cool. So, um, let's spend some time digging through passion 2017. Passion 2017. Cue the midpoint music. Last year when I went to Passion, my grandfather just died. And I was beginning to enter into a stage where I was a little bit selfish and uh, childish in my way of thinking towards the church. Mm. So I was in a really weird place spiritually and emotionally when I went there. So Passion hit me right in the face last year. Yeah. This year, I'm coming out of that season in a place where my faith is much stronger and I feel like I'm thinking more rightly. Okay. And it didn't have as much as an emotional punch to me, but it was still good. Yeah. It also seemed a little bit um, nostalgic. Is mm-hmm. that a good word? I mean, celebratory in that it was like 20, 20 years mm-hmm. of passion. So there's a lot of celebration about that, which is obviously worth celebrating. But just from from the outside looking in, it seemed like they didn't take as big of a step forward in anything they did necessarily. It was a big just sort of party in the George Dome. That it was. Which is, you should do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with celebrating um, what God's done through that movement. It's crazy to see, to think about how much influence the people um, that Louis Giglio has partnered with over the last 20 years have shaped not only the passion movement, but like every church mm-hmm. in America and somewhat across the world. Odds are you're most likely singing a song that was sung at Passion in your church this Sunday. Yeah, or written by someone mm-hmm. that is a part of Passion. And I mean, it, it's unbelievable. Other, I mean, other than something like Hillsong, I, I mean... And to some degree, some of the stuff from Bethel and Jesus culture, but man, I mean, I, I don't know of anything else that has that far reaching. Like I've gone to several different continents and been able to sing songs that Chris Tomlin and Charlie Hall and other people have written at Passion that they know yep. all the words to in English and they don't even speak English sometimes. Yep. So it's, it's kind cool. of a worldwide movement. Yep. What was what was some of your favorite moments from Passion? I thought Piper's sermon was amazing. Yeah. Uh, his sermon last year was good, but his sermon this, this year was, I thought he hit it out of the park. It was convicted me. Um, it was just solid. Yeah. Um, so that was probably my favorite teaching moment. Uh, Worship-wise, the the new Passion album's going to be great. 
Yeah. Like from a lyrical standpoint. I mean, the music's good. Yeah. But to me, music's relative. To me, the point of worship music is to get out of the way for us to think about the lyrics and what they mean, right? Mm -hmm. So nothing like made me like cringe (laughs) and I was able to focus on what the words were saying. Yeah. And And the words that they were saying were good and gospel focused. Yeah. Yeah, everything I heard was like um, really solid. My favorite song, I didn't hear a lot of the original songs from this year, but my favorite one is Worthy of Your Name. Yep, same here. That song, I was watching, I guess the first night maybe, or whenever they played it the Mm -hmm. first time, and they started singing that chorus, and I was like, okay, it's pretty cool. I like it. I'm digging it. Simple, powerful. And by the end of the song, I was like, man, this is, this is like a really great song. I loved it. Yep. I loved the, the whole, just the whole idea and the way it was arranged and the way it was led. I was like, we're doing that real soon. Anytime you talk about innocent perfection coming down for us, you yeah. get my attention. I think a, uh, a tie for, now that I'm thinking of more stuff, a okay. tie for favorite moment. Okay. So I say the whole, the passion album, I'm just excited about it. Yep. So tied for, my favorite moment would be when Chris Tom was singing and cut the music. It's just guitar mm-hmm. and everyone else singing, come thou found of every blessing. Mm. And it was good just to get back to the basics. And there weren't any lasers going off and there wasn't any fog machines. And yeah, it was just good gospel focused music and That's everyone cool. singing and praising God. And everyone probably knows that song to some degree. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. I love worship music. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But kind of in the past six months, I've kind of come to this place where I'm longing to go back to like just simple and without all the stuff. And it's just. Mm. You know, one thing that I am working on in that area is creating a, a songbook that everybody in my band can have on stage with them that has hymns and sort of really well-known choruses and things that are just good to sing like Mm -hmm. that. Come Thou Fount, um, Amazing Grace, Jesus Paid It All, In Christ Alone, like some just really kind of a a standard canon Mm -hmm. (laughs) of good songs that everyone could pretty much sing at any moment and have those in a way um, with like Nashville number chord progressions that we could just throw into any song. And so we get to that moment in a song and it's, it's kind of that, man, we just need to keep singing something. And maybe it's not even this song. It's something that just everybody knows. And I can tell all of them quickly what we're going to do. And then I can lead that and they can play with us yeah. and kind of build into something. That'd so be pretty cool. I'm with you on that. I feel, I feel that same kind of tugging to corporate singing, mm-hmm. singing things together, being unified in that. You just can't go wrong with that. So, there you go. And I, f- awesome. I don't know if it's where I'm getting older or what, but I feel like there's kind of a tension right now with modern worship music. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because there's been so much success by certain people. You mentioned Jesus Culture and Hillsong and those kind of people. Yeah. I feel like there's a healthy tension right now in between, you know, what what's really going on here and how much are we pushing it. Because I don't think anybody goes in to a worship service thinking, you know, I have to do these lots a certain way because that's going to make this person feel this way. Right. You know, 
but to an extent we are doing that. Yeah. Like how much of that are we like trying to manipulate people's emotions versus trying to like offer a sort of visually full experience right. that helps people worship? I don't know. That's a good question. People are asking that question. I don't think there's anything wrong with aesthetic beauty yeah. or, you know, musical quality and striving to be excellent. I mean, you look at the the old, old uh, buildings that have mm. been built, the stained glass, the, the, the gothic architecture, everything yeah. was made to show beauty because that was meant to point people to God. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's anything wrong necessarily with wanting, striving to be excellent. Right. But at the same time, we got to make the main thing the main thing. Like when you start worshiping the 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 function, the way right. that you're doing that over the person. And I guess the question I I don't want to ask culture or other people a question I'm not willing to ask myself. Mm. The question that I want to ask myself is, am I more apt to raise my hand or close my eyes and dwell in this moment when it's an electric guitar and a fog machine going? Or when someone's singing off key with an acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. Because if that's making a difference to me, something might be up. Yeah. It's a good question. It's good to ask yourself those things. And I think it's so much easier to produce good content now. Like the price, like literally just the price of having all those things is so much cheaper than it was 10 years ago mm-hmm. that it's super mass available. Which is awesome, and also, you know, some it's like the it's like playing the telephone game with people, right? Like you start off with a message, and these people are introducing all these things in an excellent way. They're trying to push everyone in this experience to see Jesus clearly, and then years and conversations down the road, we don't really know why we do this anymore. <laughs> like, why do we have a fog machine? I don't know. It's because we because we do, because they do. And that's not a good enough reason. So, yeah, it's worth considering in any way that you do a corporate gathering, like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. It's a good checkup. So, that's good. I like it. I think we're also getting older. Yeah, I could tell that a lot when I was at Passion this year. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's for like, you know, 18 to 25-year-olds, 24, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. When I start saying things like there's a difference between 80s and 90s millennials, I think I'm getting old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm that old guy now. Yeah. Those daggum super millennials. <laughs> the people that are in our own classification were like, oh, those, now those, there's millennials, then there's those millennials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're in a weird place in the millennial world because we're sort of in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Like I was born in 80. Nine. Mm-hmm. So, and millennials start 80-ish. 81. Yeah. People Depends say between 80 and 83, depending on who's talking. Yeah. So, we're sort of obviously not on the front end of that, um, definitely not on the back end. So, I feel like we have sort of ties in both sides of that. Like, we didn't grow up with the internet. Right. We almost grew up with the internet. It was like fourth grade. Yep. But that was when you could get the internet on a CD. Netscape. Netscape. <clears throat> oh, man. Do you remember the first time that you got on the internet? Yeah. What did it you do? Dial up. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know what I did. I it takes forever. for like basketballs or something. I, I think that I went to a Disney Channel website. That was one of the first, like, that was one of the only, like, URLs that I knew. Yeah. <laughs> it's like www.disneywhatever.com, and it loaded in, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> I don't remember the internet as much as my dad had Microsoft Flight Simulator 95. Oh, yeah. Windows 95. With the big joystick. It had a joystick, but, like, the, there were no graphics. You had geo shapes. Oh, right? yeah. So, but it was cool. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I remember that. So, you know, so I don't know. I think that there's in, in some things I find myself identifying with younger generation and then other things, maybe an older side of millennials or even people who aren't millennials. Yeah. So I think, too, I've been talking to people about this a lot lately is a lot of what happens in the current society gets put on the current generation. Right. Mm. So like the current okay. generation of young professionals, like your 20 to 30 year olds. Whatever's going on, they're going to get blamed for it. Yeah. It's their generation. So right now we're in the millennials, but in 10 years, it's going to be these daggum homelanders or super millennials, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Even though, like, we didn't do that. Right. <laughs> we walked into this environment. Now, like, you millennials have ruined our work workplace. It's like, I just showed up, dude. Yep. <laughs> I didn't make this world. I came into it. <clears throat> but you're right. That's a good that's a good quote. You should quote that. For example, yeah. If anyone's listening from a workplace, I love you. And you knew this was a humorous event. But for our summer PD at school, we had this like generational talk where we went through the generations and talked about their qualities. Well, it just turned into a huge like millennial bashing session. And there <laughs> yeah. are like three of us there that were millennials and they're just like, ha, ah, you guys suck. <laughs> Joke's yeah. on you. And I'm like all of you people taught me. Yeah. Like I'm your I'm the product of you. Yeah. Okay. Let's just set let's just set this record straight. People love to make fun of us for getting participation trophies, but I didn't sign myself up to play upward basketball, okay? That's right. <laughs> I didn't sign myself up to play T ball and get a trophy. I threw away those trophies, yeah, man. Exactly. Don't blame me for that. Yeah. So I I got those trophies, sure did, but I did not ask for them. <laughs> I do not feel entitled because of them, and I didn't. Des- and I did not earn the one that I got in T-ball. Definitely, <laughs> I am terrible at baseball. They they would offer me no trophy. So, there I you do go. think millennials. You got to ask yourself though. Like, are you are you adding to this stereotype? Like, think about it. Because not all criticism is necessarily bad. Sure. You know, um, I don't think we talked about the convention that uh, the Tennessee Baptist Convention in November. Yep. But um, while we were there, a guy spoke, and his name is O.S. Hawkins, and he is um, the president of Guidestone Financial, which handles um, a lot of people at church, like their retirement funds and insurance and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And he's an, older, he's an older guy, definitely. And he got up and talked about millennials. And when he got up, I'm like, Cammie and I are both bracing ourselves in our yeah. chair, like, okay, I'm just going to prepare myself for getting bashed a little bit, but I'm not going to take it personally because, you know, I don't know this guy and I'm sure he means well. And he had the best message. He talked about five different areas that like millennials have like the most need or things that define them. And then he read a few passages in scripture and talked about how Jesus and the gospel meet all of those needs. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. I'm like literally crying in the middle of this convention center. Yeah. And he was, I mean, he was older, at least as old as my grandparents, probably older, but he totally got it. 
And I was so thankful for that, that he saw the, the sort of culture that was around him, recognized what they actually wanted, and then pointed people back to Jesus, who can provide that for them. Yep. It was beautiful. It was amazing. It was informative, and it was gospel-focused, and I left that session thinking, I wish other people understood this as well as this guy. But also encouraged, because if that guy could understand it, so could anyone else. They just need to be open to seeing that. So, here's to more conversations, more creating, less criticism. If you want to hear more about that, listen to episode two of a weekly podcast. (laughs) But that's the idea, right? When you actually talk to someone, when you actually put something out there, it's different than when you just complain about something from your phone or from your computer. Be the change you want to see. Exactly. And when you put stuff out there and you're vulnerable, you're a lot less likely to be instantly critical because you know what that feels like because mm-hmm. you did that. So we got to get out of this Twitter vacuum and start going back to like relationships. And yeah, kind of the- I would guess that like 60% or more I, that the statistic means nothing, but it sounds right. 60% of your con- of people that have arguments online and just get all in a tizzy over something. If you had a conversation face-to-face about that, it would be better, and you'd both end on some sort of commonality mm-hmm. and saying, you know what? I don't agree with you, but I totally see where you're coming from, Yeah, and you can see where I'm coming from um, about life and family and history and upbringing and culture, and like, there's so many factors that go into what we think, and so when we tweet like, yeah, I don't like that, people are happy or mad about that, but they have no idea where that came from, and I know from experience and I would bet that most conversations that end painful and nasty online if we talked about them in person we'd walk away and think it's a good chat yep I respect that person I didn't change my views I really don't agree with them but I respect them right that'd be pretty cool if we did more of that so there you go listen listen to the podcast and then go talk to somebody about it there you go I deleted my Twitter for pretty much that reason. Yeah. So Which you're kind of sad. Instagram only. I'm Instagram only right now. Even no Snapchat either. No Snapchat. Now, I'm not anti-social media. Right. I'm not gonna like judge you if you do social. I think social media is a great tool. Yeah. But for me in my life, I'm trying to force myself to talk to people. That's cool. That's so. good. That's life. I have been really practicing the art of unfollowing people on Facebook. Um, and that's been really helpful. <laughs> so when I get overwhelmed, I'm like, I don't, uh, I don't want to comment on this, but I do unfollow. If it stirs up that frustration in my heart to like type something out, just gently unfollow. Everything's fine. So does that, does that foster communication or does that quelch it? Um, it's just too much for me. I would love to have those conversations with personally, but I, but the, but the frustration I was feeling wasn't leading to me like reaching out and saying like, Hey, let's get together and talk about this. Right. It's usually people that I didn't know that well. Right. Like, cause you're friends with so many people yeah. on Facebook, everyone gets the same real estate in your feed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just sort of cleaning up what I see. So here's, here's the problem I see with that though. Okay. We have, we've, we're making for ourselves little micro bubbles where only the people, only the people that think like we do are the mm. ones that we see. 
Yeah. Like most of the news sites that you're going to aggregate your news stories based on what you view online. That's true. So like when I go to Yahoo, it doesn't know what to do because I look at all kinds of like I'm a coffee drinking, like save the land truck driving redneck that likes hippies. Like I'm a weird dude. So <laughs> it doesn't know what to give you. Yahoo's like, I don't know where to send you. Yeah. So, and then on Twitter too, like Twitter, Facebook, any of those things, if we, if we just unlike or unfollow the people that don't say the things that we like, mm. really that's just a modern day form of segregating into our own little people groups. It's a good point. I mean, I'm not like rebuking you or nothing. I, I'm just saying yeah. like, I think that's a problem that we don't think about with social media. Mm. We've made ourselves in these little camps. Yeah. Instead of like, because what I have to ask myself is why does that make me so mad? Mm. Why am I mad that they think that? And so where I got to was I don't need to be mad. I need to talk to people and understand where they're coming from. Yeah. Okay. So the question after that question, Mm -hmm. is it possible to have those sort of honest connecting community conversations on Facebook slash no. Twitter. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> it, I agree. Right. <laughs> like, because it takes the humanity out of it. Yeah. You're taking the personhood out of it. Yeah. Like, it's much harder to get flaming mad at someone when you're face to face because you can see them as a human. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like driving a car. My wife could be driving in front of me and do something crazy and I would just be like, I'd blow up, right? When I see her beside me, I'm like, oh, that's Jen. I like her. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's the same thing. We, we don't see people when we look at cars. We see cars. Right. We see NASCAR numbers. Mm-hmm. We, we, don't see, see pe- we don't see people when we look on Facebook. Yeah. We see avatars right. and profiles. We see ideologies. Yeah. And, and we come to those with our own presuppositions, too, that, we're, that sometimes we don't even know about. Yeah. So. There you go. More so, conversing. The medium is the message. That's what Marshall McLuhan would say and did say in the 60s and 70s before the internet. And he's still right. I'm getting rid of unfollowing people that bother me on social media. (laughs) And that's not actually making my world better. Although it is making my frustration level go down. Right. But that's not furthering any conversation. But I have had some great conversations with people in person. Yeah. So I think I see that social media is not the place for that type of dialogue. And it's just too much for me to see. Right. And maybe that puts me in a bubble, but. Eh. It's kind of, you got to kind of have a balance. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what I'm saying. I'm not like rebuking yeah. you. I'm saying for no, me, it's, that's right. It's I'm a thing from. though. I mean, it's a thing to consider. That doesn't actually make my life better. It just makes it less stress filled right. when I'm doing that. It well, didn't take away that person's viewpoint. It just hid it from you. <laughs> yeah. So if I want to actually talk to that person about those things, it's just going to make me go the extra mile and say like, hey, can we get together? And- no, here's my alternative, alternative viewpoint here. Okay. And my encouragement to you. Proof that I'm not rebuking you. <laughs> I don't want you to feel like I was yelling at you. I, I don't. Uh, but- the other thing you got to ask yourself, and this is going to be different for every person, is what is the purpose of social media for you? Yeah. For me, it's a way to keep in contact with people that I'm not going to see all the time. Mm-hmm. So if it's not doing that and it's making me frustrated about things and it's leading me to be hot headed and, you know, 
spew off a bunch of crap, then why do I do it? Mm-hmm. I just think for for me, Twitter was a way for me to just release off quick sarcastic remarks about something and let off steam. Where really what I needed to do is look inside myself and see the sin of my heart and repent of that and yeah. be ashamed of that and deal with it. Yeah. And not let Twitter be my my priestly chamber that I could go and just, you know, <laughs> say three Hail Marys and be done with it. I think too, like we want to be heard, right? So yeah. we're saying, well, somebody's reading this. Yeah. Somebody's hear what I'm saying. Well, people listen to me when I talk to them too. Yeah. You know, people listen when I write them a letter. <laughs> You know, that was one idea. of the reasons why I wanted to start the weekly podcast was to put myself out there in a little, in a slightly longer form, obviously much longer than Twitter or Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, but even talking is different than writing. And I wanted my tone to be as transparent as possible. Yeah. And nothing is more transparent than me sitting here with a microphone and sort of offering that honestly. So... It is a way that I can speak about things, and hopefully people can hear that in the most true light possible mm-hmm. that I can give them. To me, that's the closest thing from sitting to sitting down and having that conversation. Yeah. And you said something really interesting there to me is you talk about the time aspect. So if you think about our communication like food, Twitter and Facebook is the fast food of the communication world. Yeah. We're going to get it. It's going to be quick. It's going to be easy. It's readily available. But is it the best meal to feed ourselves? Yeah. Now, there's a lot of things. Like, what I used Twitter for mostly was getting information from people. Yeah. I can still go get it. I just have to go to a website. It takes me (laughs) half a second longer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It may be harder to digest. It may take longer to eat. But in the end, it's more healthy for me, and I'm going to be more fulfilled by it. Instead of something that's quick and easy. I don't know. And for other people, you don't have that issue with social media. Yeah. But you have it somewhere. Yeah. It just comes out in another way. Everyone has those things in their life that are the, the, the fast food mm-hmm. for them. Maybe it's literally fast food. <laughs> like, here's a good example. When I eat at Taco, you have to, you have to I call it the Taco Bell tolerance. <laughs> All right. We used to live in, in closer to like sort of downtown Kingsport, and there's a Taco Bell literally a quarter of a mile away from our house, right? Mm-hmm. It was super easy after band practice, after church, you know. It's so good. Fourth meal, right? Great D meat has it, never tasted as good as it does. Taco in Bell knows my heart. They make the, the spicy double, you know, double Dia explosion, and I, and I want that. But people are like, oh, Taco Bell makes me sick. How, I can't ever eat there. And I say, you don't eat there enough. You got to build up the Taco Bell tolerance yep. <laughs> so it doesn't hurt you as bad. But it does hurt you as bad in the long run, <laughs> even if you don't feel those effects immediately. Man, yeah. it feels you'll feel it one day. Yep. <laughs> so, but it's not a bad thing to go to Taco Bell. Or, or uh, as, a metaphor. It is. <laughs> as a metaphor, <laughs> it may be always bad to go there as a, as a dietary choice. It's so good. <laughs> it is. It hurts so good. I love my double stack quesarito nacho supreme burrito <sighs> yeah. wrapped in a chalupa. I'm like, and you, I get all this for $5? Yeah. I have $5 and change in my car. There's like six Mexican dishes in one taco right here. Like, how, how do they do that? I don't know. They know millennials. Yeah. 
That was one of the things that Taco Bell did a few years ago was they decided to quit marketing to anyone else except millennials. And so they came out with the app and they came out, they were like on Snapchat all the time and mm-hmm. doing all the stuff and giving away things on Facebook, Twitter. Hey, when I was at Carson Newman, there was only one place to go. That's Taco Bell. Yeah. If you had $5, you could either get two cheeseburgers from Burger King or, or I could get like meal. 20 tacos from Taco Bell. Exactly. Right? So They know what's up. But you can't, man cannot live on Taco Bell alone. No. <laughs> man may, they may not be able to live on Taco Bell at all. <laughs> we're we're going to find out in the next yeah. 10 years how, how bad that's going to be. Taco Bell's going to be like the tobacco industry of the millennial generation. <laughs> They're the lucky to, strike. Of, yeah. Yeah. If Mad Men was made today, Taco Bell would be the, <laughs> the, <clears throat> your biggest customer. There you go. Well, well, since I don't have Twitter anymore, yeah. you're going to have to promote this for me. Yeah, I will <laughs> I'll take care of that. <laughs> I will share from my golden yeah. throne. <laughs> Please see the irony in this. Yeah. Ironically, we will share this on all social media so people can listen to us talk about how maybe you shouldn't be on social media anymore. Mm. Except to be reminded that you should listen to this podcast. And weekly. And another podcast that I have. There you go. But see, you can subscribe to them and then they'll just show up in your podcast app. So you don't ever actually have to. If you would just subscribe, you wouldn't have to. I get my podcast every every day on my little podcast app. Get your fix. So there you go. If you do subscribe, rate us. Yeah. You can rate us. Tell us what you think. Give us five stars or whatever. Before you give us five stars, type in five stars on YouTube and watch the Aziz Ansari skit on SNL. And then give us five stars. Nice. Do it. Or don't do that if you don't want to watch do, SNL. Just do whatever you want to. But I'm a big as is in Siri fan. He's very, he's very funny. I like him. Tom Haverford gets me. Well, thank you for hanging with us. Welcome to year two of Beard Songs and Theology. 2017. This is, it feels like season two, you know. We'll I see think what we happens. can say it's season two. Cool. Welcome to season two. We may or may not have more episodes every month. Whatever. We got to do a better job. Yeah, we'll do better. I have to do a better job. Let's be <laughs> honest here. Let's be honest on who's holding up the shit. I was not going to say that on. <laughs> if you're going to take, if you're going to, you know, I'll take the blame. <laughs> you're going to go there. I'll take the blame. All right, we just need to schedule it better for both of us. All right. Well, until next time. Beard, beard on. on.